Well, I get to start a new series today. We just closed our series last week called Assembly. And then today we are jumping into a series that is centered around prayer, but it's called Friendship with God for a reason. It comes from John chapter 15. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. And here's what he says. I'm going to read this from John 15 verses 5 through 7. Then we're going to jump down a bit. But here we go, verses 5 through 7. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. So I have heard over the years this verse used and utilized in some not so great ways. I heard a story one time of a lady who was praying for a husband, one specific husband. She really wanted to marry this guy who was married to uh, somebody else. And she was praying and she said, Lord, anything I ask, you said you would give it to me. This is the husband I want. Eventually, it took uh, a person who knew her really well to correct her, say, listen, you're not going to give, the Lord's not going to give you somebody else's husband. That's not how it works. But he said, I can ask anything. Well, that is what we just read. But let's read this verse in context. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and to his friends in the context of friendship. If you get further down on this chapter, here's a great verse where he says it again, that you can ask anything. Uh, he says it three times in this text. But here's what he says shortly after ask anything and it will be granted. He says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So Jesus is speaking to the disciples within the context of friendship. And as a friend, he says, ask anything in my name and I'm gonna give it to you. You see, when you have a friend, you know your friends, you get to know them. I got friends that I'm very close to, and I know where boundaries are. I'm not going to ask anything of my friends that I know they can't give, that I know is not in their nature. So this is about getting to know Jesus as a friend, getting to know God as a friend. And then within that context, he says, ask anything and I'll give it to you. It's basically a blank check. It's the blank check of friendship that Jesus is offering his friends. But let me tell you, I don't think every believer has stepped into friendship with God. I don't think that. Uh, he might call us friends, but I think there's a lot of us that might not call him a friend. You know, to be somebody's friend, you got to spend time with them. You have to get to know them. And listen, God knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows us. But let me ask you, do you know God? And I know people that have such a wrong impression of God. I wonder sometimes if we even serve the same God. I, I was speaking to a, a friend who had a neighbor recently, and, and they were working on a car, and the car fell off of uh, the, the jack, and it brushed down his head. It caused a bad cut, but he could have died. And when his wife was talking to my friend, she said, uh, I just don't know why God feels like he has to keep punishing me. And my friend said, what do you mean he's punishing you? And she said, well, I guess when she was in high school, she was kind of a partier, 
right? And, and, and didn't really seek the Lord. And she's like, I have a kid that has a disease. I have friends that have passed away. And now this car fell on my husband's head. It's because, it's because I was a partier growing up. I don't know where that came from. That's a misunderstanding. That's a wrong understanding. God does not punish. Jesus was punished for our sins. Do we understand that? That's one of the basics of Christianity. Jesus was punished, and we were given a free reward. We were giving uh, this, this, this uh, gift, this free gift of salvation, and he's not punishing some poor lady for being a partier. And as I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, this lady has so much faith. She might actually have more faith than the average person who's a believer. She has faith that's just completely misplaced in the wrong God. She has so much faith. She believes that a God is in heaven, looking down at her, has a little checklist, and is saying, I'm gonna punish her this many times for being a party girl in high school. That's a lot of faith that you think God is keeping up with how many times you got drunk in high school and punishing you and your family for every one of those times. It's so much faith. It needs to be redirected into the real God. It needs to be redirected faith into who he really is and his, really, and his real nature. If she could redirect that faith into who the Lord really is, boy, that is a lot of faith. We're gonna do a series here in the next few months called Redirect about redirecting some of the negative things and the negative habits we have towards good, positive things. And I believe that's going to be powerful. But that is an example of somebody who I wouldn't say that she knows God very well, right? I'm not trying to throw her, uh, I'm not trying to, to call this lady out. You don't know who she is, right? So there's no, no worries there. But I, that's not somebody who I would think knows God very well. He might call her friend. I don't know if she calls him friend. I don't know if you think your friends would literally throw a car down on your husband or punish people with, with disease. That is not who he is, and that's not a good friend. So God may call us friends, but I don't think every believer calls him a friend. You have to get to know your friend. You have to understand who he is. And I, I have several examples here in the word I want to go down today of people who were either invited into friendship with God and said yes, and some that were invited into friendship with God, and they said no. But the truth is, is that this world that we're born into, right, we're in this world, not of this world, as much as sometimes it feels uh, like I would love to sometimes not even be in this world, right, that we're seeing right now around us, but we are in it. We're not of it. We're not called to pull ourselves out of this world and separate us. If we did that, then where would the light come from, right? We, we're called to be in the world, not of the world. And when you look around, this world will make you pay for everything. This world would love nothing more, and, and the, the, the governments that are around set up in the world and the establishments like for, for the common person to have a bit of a servant mentality, right? We serve our time, we get a paycheck. It's not a negative thing, right? But you're basically getting paid for your time, your effort, your ability at your company. You earn your paycheck, right? There's really nothing in this world you're going to get for free. Get in your car and you drove for this morning. Even if you own your car outright, it wasn't free. You had to pay for the gas. You had to pay for the oil. You bought the car. Everything in this world cost us something. So when we receive salvation and it goes against the grain of this world 100% and we say, okay, Lord, how can I pay you back for this gift? 
She says, oh, you can't pay me back. What can I give you to earn this grace? Oh, you can't earn this grace. What can I give you to earn my place with you? Oh, you can't give me anything. Jesus gave everything. It's already been paid for. It's been overpaid, right? If we owed a million, he paid a billion. Like, we overpaid the price. But our flesh would love nothing more for us to keep this servant mentality. You know, a lot of people, they may not have this conscious thought, but we all mess up. We, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's like instead of just receiving forgiveness and grace and moving on, our flesh tells us, I have to pay for this. And do you know how people pay for it? People pay for it, and you might relate to this. They think they're paying for it with guilt and shame and condemnation. They think, okay, I messed up big time. Now I'm going to feel guilty for the rest of the day. Tomorrow when I wake up, I'll feel better. And there's something inside of us that says, okay, I've made my payment now. I've spent the last 24 hours avoiding the Lord, right? I, I didn't pray. I didn't ask him to help me today uh, because I'm paying for those mistakes I made yesterday. Maybe you haven't had that conscious thought, but I'm telling you, your flesh tries to pay for your salvation by offering up guilt and condemnation and shame. But we know the Apostle Paul said, there is now for no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we can get it through our minds, renew our mind to the word, Romans 12, 2, and keep reminding ourselves that it's not any amount of guilt, shame, condemnation, or anything else that can earn our place with the Lord or that can earn our salvation, we will start the process of stepping out of servanthood mindset and moving into friendship gotta tell you, if, if, if you are keeping a friend, if, if you have a close friend, but you know they won't be your friend, if you don't act right or do what they want, I'm sorry, but that is not really your friend. That's not a friend. Friends don't ask you to pay for their friendship. Friends don't ask you to treat them a certain way to be their friend. A friend's a friend because they love you, because you love them. I know I talk about Mary and Martha a lot, but there's so much in that story. You could relate it to just about every every message you ever bring just about. So I'm not going to stay on them long, but Mary and Martha were such a great example of two ladies both invited into friendship with Jesus. We know for a fact Mary stepped into it. I hope Martha did, but we do get this example of Jesus at Martha's house, and as she's doing the work, preparing everything, Mary is just sitting at Jesus' feet. Jesus never said, Martha, you're doing something wrong by serving. You're doing something wrong by cooking. But he did say Mary is doing something better. Mary was interested in relationship. Mary was interested in friendship. Martha was interested in serving, making sure everything was just right for Jesus. And there's so many things and so many times in life I know I fall into that mindset. Let me get all this right. Make sure things are right at church. Make sure things are right at home. Make sure I got my checklist. Man, I love checklists and I have to not love them so much because I love a checklist. But man, when I've had my Bible time, when I've had my time with the Lord, I in my flesh feel really good, right? My spirit feels good all the time because my spirit is wall to wall Holy Ghost just like yours. I have to make sure and try to make sure my Flesh doesn't only feel good when I've done things right and checked off the boxes, right? Because that is, again, a servant mentality. You can be doing good things, but when your mindset is, I'm earning my place, I'm earning my friendship, that is a servant mentality. And Jesus is saying, I don't want that. I want friendship. 
Martha wasn't doing bad things, but he was like, Martha, I don't want those sandwiches you're making. I don't want that meal that you're preparing. I just want you to sit with me. I just want you to do what Mary's doing. Let's just, let's just talk for a little while. And when you know a friend, and you know that they might not want the sandwiches that you're making. Man, if I go to Will and Brittany's house and we're eating food, I'm not going to prepare their food with a whole bunch of onions and, and all that because they're not going to eat it. I know my friends. I might make them a beautiful meal, but if I cover it in onions, that's not going to be well appreciated. I know my friends, right? Martha thought Jesus wanted her to serve and to make sure everything was beautiful. That's not a negative thing, but there's a better thing. The better thing is sitting at his feet and saying, oh, just talk to me. Just speak to me. He said, Mary's done the better thing. She was more interested in his presence than any type of presentation. Sometimes I know I can fall into that presentation mindset, but it's all about the presence, right? We may not have the, the perfect place here, right? There's no such thing as a perfect church, right? We, might, we have a great musicians and, and great music and and uh, it's amazing. But you know what? Sometimes there's issues. Sometimes there's wrong notes. Sometimes there's feedback. Sometimes there's whatever. But you know, it's not presentation. Revival is not about a church full of people. It's about a church full of God. That's what revival is all about. That's what, that's what we should be about. It's not presentation. It's about presence. Mary knew it. Martha hopefully learned it. I'm willing to bet she did. We could even take this all the way back to the garden. Revelation 4.11 says that people were created for God's pleasure. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. You've created all things, that includes us, and for your pleasure they are and were created. Adam and Eve weren't created to do work, right? They weren't created to, to, to serve God. No, they were created to be a friend of God. They were created for friendship, right? They made some mistakes and ended up having to do some work and and there's some work for all of us to do because of that, but they were created to be a friend of God. And if we can get that revelation, God wants to walk with us in the garden in the cool of the day. He wants to go with us into every part of this world we go into. I just finished reading a book. I've read it several times, but um, it, it's, it's a book. I don't know if you ever heard of. Uh, Brother Lawrence was a monk in the 1400s, a French guy, and he just spoke all the time about the practicing the presence of God. And, and it's beautiful. It's this, you read this book and it's this, this priest, this monk from the 1400s talking about washing dishes and cooking meals and saying, oh, I invite the Lord into these moments. And when I cook a meal, it's not just work, it's praise, it's worship. And I can sense the presence of the Lord in every meal I cook for my brothers. Man, it's a beautiful thing. But he understood friendship even within our serving one another, even within the jobs that we do here, our nine to fives, we can walk with our friend. It's beautiful. There's a great moment with Abraham where God tells Abraham, who was known as a friend of God, Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He was a friend of God and God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, Abraham, I'm gonna destroy these guys. Do you know what a servant says? Yes, Lord, that's a good idea. You should do it. You should do it with haste. Without haste. I don't know which one. But a, ser a servant is a yes man. A yes man says, yes, do it. But you know what Abraham, the friend of God, said? He goes, okay, wait. My nephew lives there. My nephew lives there. 
what if I can find 30 righteous people? He had a conversation. In fact, I kind of feel like the Lord even letting Abraham in on this was an invitation into friendship, into conversation. And Abraham said, what if I can find 30 people? Can you imagine? God tells you something and you're questioning it. Man, I grew up, my dad was strict. You just don't question things. If I were to question something when I was younger, especially, there were consequences that I did not like for questioning. But you know what Abraham says in a very respectful way? Wait a second, what if I can find 30 righteous people? Well, then I'll spare it. Okay, what if I can find 25? I'll spare it. And he goes all the way down to five. Sad thing is he couldn't find five. But here's what the Lord says, and he did not say this at first. But when Abraham gets him down to five people, God says, I tell you what, go tell your nephew. I'm going to go get him out. I'm going to send the angel to get your nephew and his family out of there. And then I'll destroy these cities. There was a conversation because they were friends. Moses also met with God on top of a mountain. And there was a moment when the children of Israel turned their back on the Lord for the fourth or fifth time from the time they left Egypt. And God says, Moses, step aside, back up, because I'm going to destroy every one of these people that I just brought out of Egypt. Now, yes, man, a servant says, yes, Lord, please go ahead and do it. I'll watch, right? And God even said, no, you'll be okay. I'll start a new nation with you. A yes man says, okay, I'll step aside. Let me do what you say. But a friend says, hang on, can I just talk to you about this? And God says, say what you want. And he said, you brought these people out of Egypt, not me. You are the one that sent the plagues and worked the miracles. You're the one that parted the Red Sea. You're the one that swallowed up Pharaoh's army. You're the one that spoke to me from the mountain. You're the one who's leading us in a cloud by day. You're the one who's in the fire at night leading us. These aren't my people. These are your people. You're the one that promised you would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And man, I love this verse in the book of Exodus. It will blow your mind if you've never read it. Here's what God says. Well, you've changed my mind. That's what he says to Moses. You've changed my mind. I'll spare them. A servant never, ever thinks I'm going to be able to change this person's mind. But a friend can look at somebody and have a conversation. And by the end of it, and maybe both your minds will be a little bit changed. But he says to Moses, you've changed my mind, and he spares the nation. It was an invitation into friendship. And during this same time period, as God's about to give the Ten Commandments, and he's speaking to, to the, the children of Israel and to Moses, there's a little bit more to this, but here's the summary. He basically tells the entire nation, I want to meet with every one of you. I want to show myself to all of you. But the children of Israel are thinking about the smoke. They're thinking about the lightning. They're remembering the plagues. And they say, oh, no, no, no. We, we wouldn't survive his presence. Just talk to Moses, and Moses can tell us whatever you say, and we will do whatever he tells us. Well, first of all, they didn't do whatever he told them. But he invited the entire nation into a deeper friendship, yet all but one rejected it. All but one rejected it. And there are believers today that have Jesus in their heart that will spend eternity with him. We will be together. But right now, on this earth, in this moment, you have been invited into friendship. And it is not up to God to, 
to make it happen for you. It is up to you to step into that. It's up to you to go to him and say, hey, there's some things happening in my life right now. I need to talk to you about this. What can we do about this, Lord? What? I need some wisdom. He'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. So many people don't step into that for whatever reason. We could go down the reasons people aren't stepping into friendship. We could start with guilt. We could start with shame. We could start with condemnation. We could start with maybe just lack of knowledge. Some people just think God is, 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 is a big bearded guy in the sky that doesn't want anything to do with us, really. He just kind of oversees everything, right? That's not the case. No, he wants to be a part of every moment of your life. He wants to be involved in every decision. If every person on this earth had a deep, intimate relationship with the Lord where they were speaking to him every day. He has the attention and the time to be personal with every one of us. You're not taking somebody else's time with God. You're not, I'm not gonna pray about these little things. There's bigger things to worry about. No, 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 no. There's, he doesn't think like us. He's not a one-track mind like me. He's not even a multitasker. He's just everywhere all at once and he wants to be in every part of your life. We see it over and over and over again. Abraham was known as a friend of God, and God even changed his name. Man, lots and lots of good stuff. Obviously, we always can go back to David, but this is another person, Old Testament believer, Old Testament man of God who knew God as a friend. There's a big difference. David was the king of, of Judah. He was the king of Israel and Judah, and Later down the line, like seven, eight generations down, was a king named Uzziah, who was also a righteous man until the very end of his life. Uh, but we see a stark difference in David, the man after God's own heart. We've talked about endless times, probably, the differences in David and Saul. But here's another difference between David and another righteous king named Uzziah. David was known as a man after God's own heart. He'd spent time with the Lord. He was he spent hours and, and a lifetime in his presence, worshiping and praising. His presence dwells in our praises. All those psalms that David wrote, all that time in the field, and even as a king, just spent time at the feet of the father. There's this moment where David and his men are hungry. So they go into the temple. This is something that was restricted. This was against the rules. There was bread to be offered to the Lord. And they go into the temple and they eat the bread because they were hungry. Do you know what the consequences were? Nothing. There were no consequences for that. For a regular person, the consequence would have been death. Seven or eight generations down, a king who was righteous but didn't know the Lord intimately like David did goes into the temple to light some incense, which was the job of a priest. And he lit this incense. The priests come in and they're like, oh no, you can't do that. And he kind of fusses at him. He's basically like, I'm the king, I'll do what I want. In that moment, he got leprosy. And for the rest of his life, he had to be separated from his family. In fact, his son had to basically rule the kingdom. He had to do it through his son because he was separated from that point. But really, there wasn't a huge difference between what him and David did. Yet one person, one person had a different result than the other. The friend had chances over and over again to receive strict, strict punishment for mistakes he'd made David. Yet he went to the Lord every time. Where some people would get called out and run away from the Lord and hide, David would get called out for sin. He would go straight to the Lord. And he would say, I've sinned against you and you alone. Even when he wronged people, he was only concerned about sinning against his friend, God. And because of that, 
He received a lot more mercy in his life than you will see people receive in the Old Testament. And thank God through Jesus, as New Testament believers, we all receive or are able to receive the same amount of mercy. But don't let judgment come upon you from yourself when Jesus has already taken that price. Don't let your, don't, we can, well, that's a different one. Exodus 19.11 is when the Lord invited the children of Israel up. Be ready against, be ready on the third day. For the third day, I'll come down in the sight of all the people. He says it flat out. I want you all to see me. And here's what they say. Speak with us and we'll hear. But don't let God directly speak with us lest we die. And Moses said, well, fear not. God has come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces and you sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. God wanted every one of them to come in. Moses was the only one that did. They just stayed away because of fear. They left Egypt with a complete servant mindset. And they couldn't get out of their comfort zones enough to take a step into friendship. That's where a lot of us are at. We're comfortable in being a servant of God. We're comfortable saying, well, I'm going to check my list off. I might have a Bible study. I'll go to church on Sundays. Uh, I'll, I'll do what I think God wants me to do. I'll try to be a good person. That's very comfortable, right? Trying to be a good person is very comfortable. But when you become a friend of God, most people, not most, a lot of people are scared because that will get you out of your comfort zone every time. When you become a friend of God, you might be on Sunday morning prayer and you don't really have the personality that steps out and speaks, but the Lord's gonna say, hey, you're my friend. I, I told you this. I want you to go tell everybody. And you might have to, you know, Pastor BJ got a word in morning prayer. You might be walking through your nine to five and your friend says to you, hey, that girl over there that you ignore every day that looks upset all the time, well, she's upset all the time. I need you to go give her the joy of the Lord. I need you to go minister to her. Invite her into this friendship that you have. That gets you out of your comfort zone. When you have a close friend like that, but here's the good news about your close friend. They don't leave you out there alone. They're with you outside of that comfort zone. How much better is it to get out of your comfort zone with a friend? I remember going to Carowinds when I was a kid. Man, I did not love the thought of roller coasters. But when I was there with my buddy Chandler, and he said, we're going to go ride the Vortex, I didn't even think to myself, I'm not going to ride the Vortex. I thought, yeah, let's go ride the Vortex. Strap me in. Because my friend was there. It was way out of my comfort zone, but my friend was with me. You have a friend that is inviting you into friendship, not, not just to throw you out there and hang you out to dry. No, to be with you. To be with you. To be involved in all your decisions. It's what the Lord longs for. Man, I want to give him what he longs for. It's not even just going to be best for me. It's best for him. It's best for all of us to step into friendship with God. So how do we do it? This is how I want to close today. It's a very, very simple thing. It might blow your mind, but it's just time. There's no getting around it. It's time with God. Time with him can't earn our salvation. And how do we get saved? We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he's Lord and we're saved. And you can, from that moment, never spend a minute with him and be in heaven one day. That's how good he is. That's how good he is. But if you want to move from servant to friend, it's simply just time. And you might have to adjust your schedules. My mom always says this, the important things in your life will show up on the schedule. No getting around it. 
You want to know what's most important to you? What is number one on the schedule? If it's work, it's work. Just be real. Just be real with yourself. Well, right now, work's the most important th thing to me. Maybe it's your hobby. Be real with yourself. Well, right now, my hobby is the most important thing. There's not too many believers out there that, that wouldn't just say off the top of their head, yeah, God's the most important thing in my life. Look at your schedule and then say what's the most important thing in your life. It's not about a checklist and it's not about counting the minutes. Because as a friend, you can bring the Lord into your hobbies. You can bring the Lord into your work. You can bring the Lord into everything you do. But if something that you deal with consistently is I don't have time for the word, I don't have time to spend with the Lord right now, you might need a schedule adjustment. And that's all right. Adjust the schedule. The important things come to the top. There's no way to get around this. You want a friend, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. If you ignore somebody for a good year, couple years, is that person really your friend? Right? Even if you live long distance, this world's so much smaller now. Travel is way easier. Social media, you can connect in a heartbeat. Man, I laugh all the time. Like people that are my age, 40-ish, right? I'm 40, 40 or up. It's funny. Like most of us, you say, how many of your friends from high school do you talk to? It's like one, two, maybe zero, right? Nowadays, Man, they're like, these kids stay connected forever. I was thinking about that recently. There was no social media, right? When I was, when I graduated, when somebody moved away, they just moved away, right? If you weren't going to be pen pals, you just didn't have that person in your life. But now it's like Facebook and all these other things. You just stay connected. But whatever it is, it takes time to make a friendship. It takes time to make a friend. And you've got to make time for the Lord, You've got to spend time with him. That's what it takes. Man, our, our friends that we have, Lisa and I, we spend time with them. And as we spend time with them, we get to know them. That's the only way it works. And as you get to know people, what I love is when, uh, let's go back to this story about this lady. This car falls on her husband. He survives, but she sees this as punishment. This is the Lord punishing me for my wrong things I've done. When you get to know somebody, when you spend time with them and something like that pops up, you will immediately know, wait a second, that's not in their nature. She doesn't know that that's not in God's nature because she's not his friend. Years ago, right before, I, I don't think Pastor Brittany will mind me sharing this, but if she does, I'm sorry. Better to ask forgiveness, right, of your friend than, uh, no, she won't mind. I think she shared it before. Right before she came on staff here years and years ago, she ended up at dinner with somebody. And this person started talking a little bit of junk about Lisa and me. My mom would correct me about Lisa and I. No, I think Lisa and me is correct. So she started talking a little bit of junk. And Brittany said, at first I started thinking, wait a second, I, I, I've never seen them. I've never seen them act like that. I've never heard them say these things. And she said at first she was getting a little bit nervous, but within about 30 seconds to a minute, she was getting nervous because she was about to come on staff here. Within about 30 seconds to a minute, she said she had this thought, you know BJ and Lisa, and you know that what this person is saying isn't true. In fact, we didn't even know about this situation until years later because she didn't even feel the need to tell us or to ask us, hey, is this really something you guys did or something you said? She said, I knew you, and immediately I knew this is not them. This is not their nature. And I'm so glad because 
as we get to know people, we know their nature. As we get to know the Lord, we know their nature. Had this lady known the Lord, she wouldn't have thought, man, this car fell and this is punishment. No, she'd have thought this car fell, it could have killed my husband. Yet the grace of God, he's alive because my friend stepped in. My friend made a difference in this situation. He didn't make it happen. He kept my husband alive. When I was 15, I started spending time with the Lord on a regular basis, meaning like a couple hours before school. I'd get up at five and just have time in the word and time with the Lord. And I got to know the Lord so well. 15 years old is when I started that. And I had some wrong beliefs. I had some wrong thinking. Even though I was spending time with the Lord and I was reading the word, a lot of you have heard my testimony, so I'm not gonna give that. But I, I, I thought that like if I died with any unconfessed sin in my life, I would go to hell. Meaning that if I had a disrespectful thought and didn't say, Lord, forgive me for that disrespectful thought. Like those were like magic words. And if I didn't say that, I'd be in hell. That's wrong thinking. That's bad, right? That's wrong. But I was spending time with the Lord every day in his word, right? This is stuff that doesn't change. This is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A couple hours a day. And I was 18 years old when I heard somebody, Andrew Womack, say, you have been forgiven one time, once and for all, for all your sins, once you say yes to Jesus. You get forgiven. And it's good for your past, present, and your future. Do you know when I heard him say that? There wasn't a bone in my body that doubted because I thought, yes, that is the person I've been getting to know for three years. I didn't have to like cast out a million bad thoughts. Now that night I did have to cast out some doubt and unbelief because instead of confessing my sins, I just said, thank you, Jesus. And that I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and say that there wasn't part of me that was saying, hang on, hang on, maybe you should go back to the old way. But after that first night, that's all it took. I jumped head first into an understanding of grace because when I heard somebody explain the nature of God to me, it immediately resonated because I knew God. I had some wrong thinking, but I knew him. And when I heard the truth, I said, yes, that is my friend. That is the truth. And there's so many times we have misconceptions. We have wrong thinking because we stay in that servant mentality that some reason our brain will default to. Even within our salvation, our brain will default to servanthood. That's why Jesus said to believers, I'm inviting you into friendship. I'm calling you friends, is what he told the disciples. I now call you friends. But we also have to call him a friend. We have to step into that. We have to say yes. In the same way, Salvation has been supplied for every person on this earth, yet not every person on this earth receives salvation, which is a shame. I wish they would. That's why we have to go tell them. But in the same way it's been supplied, there's enough salvation for every person on this earth to receive it. In the same way, God says, I want to be your friend. And that relationship, that friendship with him is right in front of us. All you gotta do is step into it. Step out of that servant mentality. I gotta earn this. I have to earn my place with you. I gotta earn my favor with you. Sit at his feet the way Mary did because that's what he's after. On your best day, sit at his feet and go to him. On your worst day, go to him, sit at his feet. He's not condemning you. He's not gonna throw you out of his presence. He said the way to him is open. 
And as we step into that relationship, this is where we'll come back in in the next message. Once you step into that friendship relationship with him, there's this blank check that he's given you and he's waiting for you to fill it out. And he said, ask anything in my name and it'll be given. That's pretty awesome. I'm gonna invite the band to come up as I'm closing this out. Ask anything in my name and it'll be given. I want you to just let this settle and then think about it because I'm gonna come back to it. We're gonna talk, but think about this. This is kind of an extreme statement, right, that I'm about to say, so don't, don't, don't take it the wrong way. At least think about it, dwell on it. But if Jesus has given us this gift, this blank check, ask anything in my name and I'll give it to you. It seems to me that it might be less up to God to answer our prayers and more up to us to get the answer to our prayers. Let's let that settle in for a second. We might be sitting around thinking, Lord, why aren't you answering this prayer? And he's like, I've answered this prayer. Why aren't you receiving the answer? And we could talk about that all day, and we will talk about that more over the next few weeks. But you know, in some cases, here's an obvious one. In some cases, if God answered our prayers, it would destroy us. Because in some cases, we ask for things we are not ready for. And there's so many times I believe he's saying, listen, it's a done deal. This is what you're called to do. You're asking me for something good and I want you to have it. But now it's up to you to become the vessel that can receive it without ripping. It's up to you to become that new wineskin so that when the stretching happens, it won't rip you open. It's up to you, it's a bit practical, to learn how to handle money so that when larger amounts of money flow through, it's not getting waste that are sent to the wrong place. It's up to you to get healthy. So when the door opens to go to a different country, you're not going to go over there and die of a heart attack. You're going to go over there and be healthy and do the things you're called to do. It's up to you to become the vessel that can receive the answer. And within the context of friendship, you have a God that's not withholding that information from you. In friendship, Lord, this is what I see from my life. This is what I want. I desire to make an impact. I desire to, to tell people about you on a grand scale. And then your friend replies, absolutely, I want you to do that. I want you to do that. First, go tell that person standing in the corner. First, go to that person you work with and tell them about me. And after you do that, we're gonna go to Chick-fil-A and tell people the gospel. And then we're going to go to a movie theater and tell them the gospel. And then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And he's saying yes. But it's up to you to receive that answer. When you ask something of your friend, he's not going to withhold. It's good, good news. So if you take something away from this today, you've been invited into friendship with God. And not every believer steps into friendship. How can you start that process? It's simple, it's time. Spend time in his word. Spend time, set it aside to talk to him. It's called prayer. Set aside time to worship. And then in the day-to-day, -day, invite him into every moment. 
you're not just working a nine to five, you're doing it unto him. Invite him into the household chores. Invite him into those moments and spend time with him. Get to know him. Then we're going to pick up. We're going to pick up from here and talk about what it means exactly to ask anything in my name. I'm not going to leave you hanging on that. We're going to talk about it. And there's lots of good things to talk about. So that's going to be great. Let's all stand together. So I want us to respond to the word here with a moment of worship. We're going to spend a moment in his presence, putting into practice exactly what I was just talking about. We're going to step into his presence through worship. And after that, I'm going to have our prayer ministers come up as we close so you can get any kind of agreement in prayer you need as well. But thank you, Father, that you don't just want puppets or servants, but you desire friends. And Father, I know I desire to be closer than ever before. Thank you that we can have a church here, a community of people, community of friends of God. If we haven't seen ourselves that way, I thank you that today we can begin to change our mindset. Today we can begin to step into a relationship with you that maybe we've avoided or maybe we haven't ever stepped into as friends. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's respond for just a couple minutes here.